This is the Scale with Psychology podcast, where you're going to optimize your psychology to exponentially scale your business and become the ultimate version of yourself. I'm your host, Ani Manian, widely known as the Mind Whisperer and trusted advisor and psychedelic therapist to the world's top entrepreneurs and leaders. And I believe that entrepreneurship is a mental game. And the main constraint in any business is not the strategies and tactics, but the psychology of the founder. And with each episode, I'm going to help you take your life in business to levels you never thought possible. If you're ready to play the game of life and business in God mode, then this is the podcast for you. I have with me a very, very, very special guest who's a dear friend of mine, one of the most inspiring women I've ever met. She is an absolute powerhouse. She is the founder and CEO of Paleo FX. Please join me in welcoming Michelle Norris. Hello, Michelle. Hello. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's such a pleasure to have this conversation with you, especially in a time when things feel tough for everyone, especially for entrepreneurs, especially for anyone with a business, and especially for someone whose business revolves around a massive in-person event that happens <laughs> once a year. <laughs> so I'd love for you to just start and um, tell everyone who you are, tell us about Paleo Facts, tell us about you know, the context around your work so people can really understand, you know, the, the basis from which your resilience comes, the basis from which everything that you're doing right now really originates. Oh, well, let's see. Um, so Paleo FX is the largest paleo health and wellness platform and event in the world. And so, um, we put that event on during um, the spring uh, in Austin, here in Austin, Texas. Um, and we were set for our event to run um, April 24th through the 26th. And obviously, um, considering everything that's happening with COVID-19 and coronavirus, we um, were kind of forced into a situation to reschedule our event. And fortunately for me, um, once the city of Austin canceled South by Southwest. I moved very quickly to get my event rescheduled because I, I figured very quickly we were going to probably not have any control. And so <clears throat> to maintain control of my event and be able to, to do what we do, we contacted them what's, what's happening. They had already sent me paperwork and told me that I had to comply with their strategic risk and mitigation plan, which I looked at and knew there was absolutely no way for me to comply with it because our event is almost 8,000 attendees. And <clears throat> it said there were two points in there that we could not have um, more than 2,500 people in any one area of the event at any one given time. There's no way for, for me to be able to control that. And my expo floor at any given time has three to 5,000 people on it. So um, then the other thing was I had to uh, also agree and comply that no no attendees would be in close proximity to each other for any extended period of time. Well, I can't control that either. And my my um, show is a love and hug fest. <laughs> in fact, we were going to introduce this year a cuddle puddle, which <laughs> is probably a really bad idea right now. <laughs> but we thought it was an excellent idea about six months ago. 
so anyway, we um, when I re recognized that, I very quickly reached out and said, okay, what dates can we move our event to? And given that our event is, um, is a three-day event, and that we have two, uh, a we take a total of five days at Palmer Events Center, and we take the entire Palmer Events Center, including the outside, the inside and the outside. So we're talking about 140,000 square feet, and so it limits the um, the you know opportunities and the options for when we can hold this event. So we had two options: we could hold our event over the Fourth of July weekend, which was not possible. And then we could hold our event from the 14th through the 16th of July, which is what we chose. So we pivoted very quickly. Um, and we have been really adamant that we were going to continue to hold our event until they canceled South by. Once they canceled South by, I knew all bets were off at that point. So um, we, um, <clears throat> we we and we started immediately working with all of our international attendees because we knew a lot of them probably weren't going to even be able to fly here because of the closed borders. So we started really, that was kind of the crux of what we did. And that happened. Um, so that happened on the 9th, I think, is when we changed. If I'm not mistaken, I'd have to. I'm what sure. feels like four years ago? Um, right. It feels, it feels so weird. Yeah. It was, um, the morning of March 9th. So we changed everything on the morning of March 9th. And so it's been a really interesting situation just to watch all of this unravel and unfold and see what's happening and, and how, um, just how people are, are handling it. And, um, so one of the things we did immediately was tell our attendees, what we were doing, we gave them an option that if they couldn't come to July, they could move to, they could move to the April event, which we don't ever do. Um, all of our attendee tickets are non-refundable, and all of our exhibitors and sponsor contracts are all um, non-cancelable and non-refundable. One of the reasons we have to do that is because it is a very expensive event to put on, and so we and the costs are upfront. Yes, all my costs are up front. So we made our last payment to Palmer on February the 24th. So everything for the event was paid in full other than the final little, there will be other, uh, um, there would be other things that come due, staff, staffing that we pay for at the event, security that we pay for at the event, extra rentals, anything that's, you know, we end up, which always happens. Oh, we've missed that we needed a table here, 25 chairs there or whatever. So there's that. And then there's also um, some extra AV costs, electricity, all of that. Those all come in and have to be paid within usually within 72 hours after the event's over with. So most, for the most part, all of our bills are paid and all of our contracts are non-cancelable. So we told everybody, we'll let you shift from one event to the other. Well, you know, we've always had an ability for you to be able to sell your ticket, transfer it to somebody else. That's been in place since 2013. And then um, we reached out immediately to all of our hotels and to all of the airlines to find out what their, you know, what their policies were going to be. And of course, all of their policies have now changed where they are allowing cancellations and giving back refunds and doing all of that stuff. And our hotels immediately said, yeah, just let they can they can cancel this and then you know rechange to to the July dates and so it's been it's been a really interesting process to watch because there's some people that are just so gracious and so kind and understanding and saying 
thank you for things that we gave all of our attendees and all of our exhibitors and sponsors access to our 2019 um, live stream recordings. We gave them access to our gut brain evolution course, which we were going to launch at Halo Effects. So we gave everybody free access to that as well. And it was, um, it's been really interesting. There's just a handful of people that are definitely operating in a real fear space and, you know, being very demanding and very, and acting like we're, we're doing something wrong. And, and it's that part's really hard to kind of considering the whole reason we ever even created Palo FX to begin with was for the good of other people. And, you know, we definitely didn't need to do this. So, um, it's just something that we felt very strongly about. And, um, and one of the main reasons we do what we do is um, our daughter, Brittany, was killed in a car accident 10 and a half years ago. And um, she was killed three days before her 23rd birthday and a week before her college graduation. So we had this big party planned. We were going to celebrate her 23rd birthday. We were going to celebrate her college graduation and Mother's Day. So the whole family was coming in. We were all really excited. And, and then, of course, instead of holding this party, we held, you know, a celebration of her life on what would have been her 23rd birthday. Mm -hmm. And um, at her first memorial service, there were like almost 700 people in attendance. And they had a receiving line for us. So people stood in line to pay their respects and like all night long people were telling us how she changed their life and it was very specific and profound. It was not like, Oh, she changed my life. You know, some type of superficial thing. It was very specific. She said this, she did that. And so Keith and I were like, you know, for one thing, we we're on autopilot and a little bit numb, but we realized very quickly that we didn't want her legacy of changing people's lives to die with her. So we were, we immediately were like, okay, we've got to do something to carry that piece on. What are we going to do? And she was a very gifted musician and singer. And she was um, planning to be, um, uh, she was going to graduate as a music and worship ministry major. So she was going to be a minister. She had planned to work in the mission field. So she had planned to travel all over the world and, you know, and, uh, and teach people about Christ. And so she, um, those were definitely not our gifts. We can't, you know, I don't know that Keith or I can, you know, carry a tune in a bucket. But anyway, we were, we, so we were struggling trying to figure out what that was going to look like. And when we finally realized two years later, we're sitting on a runway at LAX and we had just come from the inaugural Ancestral Health Symposium. It's a very decidedly academic symposium. It discusses the science of paleo. And we were sitting on the runway and I was telling Keith, you know, it would be great if they would actually show people what to do. If they would do demonstrations, if they would do movement demonstrations, if they would actually show people the how to put the science into practice. And we were talking about all of this and he said, well, it's an academic conference. I don't think they're going to do that. And I was like, oh, yeah, whatever. And so we were sitting there and then we were just like, OK, this is what we should do. I mean, these were our gifts. Muse, um, you know, hers were music and worship, but ours were food and nutrition and health and wellness and fitness. And so we were like, oh, we just operate in our gifts. And that's still changing people's lives. And I can't think of another better way to change people's lives than to do it through health and wellness. And then, of course, Paleo FX believes in seven pillars of health. And we believe that you have to have all the seven pillars of health in place for you to be a really 
holistically healthy human being. And that's physical health, mental health, emotional health, relational health, financial health, spiritual health, and tribal health. Mm. And I think the two, uh, I always leave the last two together for a reason is I think those two are probably the biggest key um, point in everything because all of them are all tied to each other. No, no different than we are. We're all connected to each other. And so those two things are so fundamentally important to the rest of an organism's health. And so we cover all of that at Pillow Effects. We talk about regenerative agriculture, decentralization of markets, of both financial markets, education, healthcare, um, you name it. We talk about all of that. We talk about plant medicine. We talk about shamanism. We talk about um, using uh, different types of modalities to it as health hacking things in Google. Um, so um, we do all of these things at Halo Effects because at the end of the day, each person's health and wellness and everything is tied to the next person's. And so we just believe that this was what we were meant to do. And so um, it's been a real, it's been a really interesting situation to watch everything unfold over the last few weeks and just really see um, where we are at as humanity. And um, one of the first lives I did after all of this happened was, we're either going to see the best in humanity or we're going to see the worst. And it's our choice. We get to choose yeah. which that's going to look like. And I think this is the, one of the biggest wake up calls that we're ever going to have probably in most of our lifetimes. I mean, we've had financial troubles. We've had things happen, but this is a wake up call across the board. It is a wake up call for people to get their house in order. And I mean, this house, um, you need to have all those seven pillars in place to be able to weather a storm like this. And this is, this one's not the last, this is, we're going to have more. And so for it to have taken effect the way that it has and how this is all rolled out has been really eye opening. But, you know, I've done a number of Facebook lives, a number of interviews now since this all started. And I, I just believe this is, this is a wake up call. We have, the divine, the universe, God, whatever you believe in, we're getting the biggest wake up call. And it is you people all need to slow down. You all need to stay put. You need to relax. You need to rejuvenate because you need to give earth a, a moment to breathe because everything you're doing is destroying all of us. And so I think this is a moment for the entire universe, the planet to get a chance to breathe. For a little bit. I mean, like you saw the waters and the canals over and, and I know that the dolphins and all of that was all made up and photoshopped and everything, but the water is clear. And that's because it's getting a moment. It's getting a moment to breathe because there's no boats running through it. There's no pollution happening. You're seeing for the first time in I don't even know how long China's sky is clear. It's because they're not going to work. They're not in their cars. They're not and what's I find interesting and in that nobody's really talking about this is because we're all being sequestered into our homes and because there's a lot less people out there on the roads driving or whatever, how many people's lives have been saved through that? Because you are far more likely to die in a car accident than you are to get coronavirus and die. Like 
seriously. And especially in China, I can't remember what they said the numbers were on a daily basis of car accidents happening there and people dying in a car accident. How many of those people would not be here if it wasn't for my thought process around all of this is, at, and I'm not trying to diminish anybody that is losing somebody that ha- because of coronavirus, I feel for you not trying to to diminish that at all or not have um, any um, sympathy or um, empathy for that. Definitely feel for those people. But I can say this, we can look at this as a gift because I think it is. And um, it's going to be a pricey gift. (laughs) It's going to cost our world economy a great deal. But at the same time, it is a wake-up call for all of us, like I said, to get this house in order and to start figuring out what do we really want in our lives? And is it the stuff that we've been doing for the last, you know, five, seven years, three, five, seven years, whatever it is, take a look at what you've got going on in your life. And is this really what, how you want to live? Is this your potential? And I think we get that opportunity right now to take that moment to breathe, to give the earth a chance to breathe and to come back and figure out, okay, we're going to be the best humanity we can ever be. And what does that look like? And we get to choose. I really want to acknowledge the emotional roller coaster that this journey has been for you. Even the beginning of this journey, the way you shared what puts you on this path. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think it's arguable that your mission and your purpose is even more important right now. It's even more relevant right now. And it's even more needed right now. And, you know, this collective breath that we all get to take right now is a moment for every entrepreneur and every business owner to pause and think about, you know, all the things that were unsustainable in how we were functioning, all the things we were doing that we just couldn't keep the pace up, mm-hmm. all the things that you know contributed to the architecture of our business that were fundamentally misaligned with how we want to actually live our life. And it's an opportunity to really choose consciously what kind of a business do we want to be running, what kind of a life do we want to be creating? How do we want to be creating community? How do we want to be delivering our value? Because what's really present for me is that, you know, the only thing that's happened to your mission and your purpose is that it's become even more amplified. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just the delivery of that mission and purpose. The vehicle was a once a year summit that was one of the largest health conferences in the world. And that's potentially changing. Maybe in the short term, maybe in the long term, maybe there's going to be, you know, a change that's forced from outside, but it's what you choose right now. It's how you make that decision. It's how you choose. It's what you take into account. So let's really dig into that because this has been a very challenging 
process and your your business is the archetype of the kind of business that's affected mm-hmm. right brick and mortar in a way completely dependent on an event completely dependent on bringing people together physically mm-hmm. you know making an impact in that way and you know if there's a spectrum of 0 to 100 in terms of impact um my business would be you know which is pretty much 90% virtual um i would put myself on like you know 15 maybe you'd be at maybe what 90 90 something yeah <laughs> yeah it'd be it'd be way up there <laughs> you know what's interesting is um when all of this really was rolling out a few weeks ago there is um i think it was cnn had richard atia who is a, a very large global events expert like he's put on the largest events in the in the world like we're talking hundreds of thousands of people um and he was on there talking about um and his his company is actually a con um, a, a live events uh consulting firm what and he's one of he's one of the biggest in the world and he's one of the most prestigious so one of the things that he was saying was that the events um industry is a 1.5 trillion dollar industry. Mm. That's a that's a big number. And that does not include any airfare and that does not include any hotels. That is strictly the events themselves. And he said they predict that at minimum 20% of event companies will go bankrupt through this problem, through all of this. And um and that was like really eye opening that's a, that's a huge number when you think of 20% of 1.5 trillion i mean it's just like mind blowing that, that that's the case and so um you know the big thing that uh, that i have been trying to um tell people through our facebook lives and all of these things is we need to stop thinking just me 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 and really realizing what the global impact of all of this is going to ultimately be because at the end of the day again we're all connected and so if there is something that you have supported like say you have supported PaleoFX in the past making sure that an event like this makes it through this is so crucial to the entire world impact of what we do and the people that get impacted by paleo effects and trying to work together and trying to make everything um you know at the end of the day it's really difficult to um i think it's really trying to put yourself in somebody else's shoes and trying to help them understand where you're at um you know we've had people say to us that we needed to do the right thing we needed to refund everybody and it's just like we 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 can't do that like that's not even it's even if we wanted to and we were in a position where we had to legally we couldn't and um people are like well your insurance and the problem is is that that there are, there's very few events out there that are covered by pandemic insurance very few because the insurance is so astronomically expensive. South by Southwest is a 335 million dollar event. 
was not covered by pandemic insurance, which initially everybody thought that they were. And they were all like, oh, well, the city had to shut them down so their insurance would be forced to pay. Their insurance isn't forced to pay because that doesn't, they didn't have pandemic insurance. You're talking about, and the thing is, theirs is canceled. Ours is not. Right. And they've laid off, what, 30, 40% of their staff? Yeah. I'm sorry. And they've laid off 30, maybe 40% of their staff. That was a few weeks ago. So it may be even worse right now. Yeah. They had to lay off a lot of their staff before they even were forced to shut down. So the thing is, is that when you think about that, South by is such a huge impact to the world. And if everybody can work with them so that South by doesn't go away, I don't know that they will. I think they might be okay. Um, I'm not sure how, how profitable they are. I know our margin is extremely small and we're okay with that. That's not, we didn't do pill effects to make money. We didn't do pill effects to, you know, become rich or wealthy or anything like that. It is a, um, it has a high revenue and it has a very high expense. And so the margin between the two is really tight. And so for us to, one of the things that we did initially of course, the first thing I did was reach out to my attorney. And he's not only my attorney, he's also a CPA, which I'm so thankful for. So he can keep me straight on everything. And one of the things he said is, you can't, you cannot go against your refund policy right now. He said, you have to stick to it. Because if you get to a point where you have to file bankruptcy, you can actually legally get yourself in trouble if you've refunded somebody for any reason, because that money doesn't belong to you, which I never have ever thought that any of the money belonged to me ever anyway. The money in payload effects does not belong to me. It is it is simply passed through me and given to whatever situation is. And so I pass money on to Palmer Event Center. So they, you know, I my AV team, my staff, my everybody. And so um, so that part's been really difficult for people to understand. That if you're getting close, and that that's the whole thing, we'll know in a few weeks if we can hold payload effects, and if we can't, payload effects will cease to exist, and that's nothing I can do about that. And I have actually gotten to the point where I'm okay with that. I mean, it sucks; it's a lot of hard work and everything. But if we are forced to cancel the July event, then we have we have actually defaulted on all of our. all of our contracts. The problem is the contracts on the other side don't stop. All that money is still due and they all got paid. So they all get to keep the money and I I can't get any of my money back. Um, But we'll have to file bankruptcy, which means whatever money we have right now, the court gets to decide where that money goes, not me. So, you know, I've had a couple of conversations about this with people who have, um, you know, threatened us and made all kinds of, and I've had conversations with them and said, look, this is our reality. So if you're, you know, my hope is that people love payload effects enough to help us figure out how to navigate this and us to make things right for everybody. And we're doing all the things that we possibly can. We're, we're going to offer something that's going to go out in the next 72 hours. We're going to offer everybody that has a pass, a pass to give away an expo pass to give away. And so, um, cause we know that this is hard for everybody. We're just like, we don't know what else to do, but, um, we're doing all the things that we can that are not going to be detrimental to the actual event, uh, to the actual company. Um, we've had to lay off staff now too, which we were trying to not have to do that. We were trying to 
figure out ways to create new revenue, which is some of the things that we were already doing. We were planning to pivot our our, our company quite and to launch stuff at Pillow Effects. So all of that got shoved forward. And now that's what our team, the team that we have left, that's what they're working on right now is trying to get those revenue streams up and going. Then of course, you know, the Small Business Association is allowing loans now or is offering loans to companies that have been impacted by this, which we can definitely prove we've been harmed by this. So, but the problem is, is that takes forever to get through. I've been on there three days in a row all, you know, all day long and keep getting kicked off. So it's, it, I don't know how long it's going to take for me to actually submit for a loan. If we could get a loan, we'd be okay. Cause then we could end up making it through. Um, the problem is I don't know what that's going to look like. It's like, the thing is, is at the end of the day, this country is already bankrupt. I mean, we're already, I mean, I, we're, well, China is buying our debt at cents to the dollar. So. And it's alarming. Cause when you think about the fact that China owns more of the United States than the United States does right now. Yeah. And, um, and at any time they could call the note due and right. we can't pay it. And right now we're printing money and everybody I know is everybody's like, oh, well, okay, we're going to have this. So this is going to be okay. But we have to remember what is the ultimate cost going to have to all of us? Because at the end of the day, China owns more of us than we do. And you just don't, you just don't have any idea how that's going to play out. And fortunately for us, there is an alliance and there's a, they are allies at the moment. How long will that last? And I'm not trying to make anybody have fear, but let's be, we need to be realistic about what we're doing. So the other part of it too is, okay, so we're now we're just going to print money to like take care of all the problems, but the money, we just keep devaluing our dollar and devaluing our dollar and devaluing our, our dollar. And, and ultimately, you know, at what cost are we going to all be? And what, and, and the other thing is, are we really all okay with that? Well, the, the other factor is that, Large corporations like banks are going to get bailed out again, but small businesses get loans. Right. Right. Yeah. So all of this dollar printing is being funneled to that. Mm-hmm. Right. And that, that just compounds the problems. So there's a few things that I want to call out mm-hmm. that I've seen you do, which has been, you know, a masterclass in crisis management. So the first thing is, you know, you were proactive in your communications, you were transparent, you were honest, and you didn't wait. Mm -hmm. So I've seen you use every platform available to you to be in constant communication with your community, with your attendees, with your sponsors, with with everyone. And that's been, you know, I think just watching that, it is really inspiring and just the level of integrity and ethics that you and Keith demonstrate is it. I don't think that's lost on anyone. So that's, you know, something for people to really take away. Yeah. The other thing that I've seen you do is that you don't hold back, which means you're very transparent in what you share. And you've been, even in this conversation, you've been very, very, very transparent and, open about you know some really challenging vulnerable things and that's you know that's not easy for most people right and so i really want to acknowledge you for that thank you 
you've been also proactive in coming up with new solutions and new offerings and new ways to still give value. And that's the, the gut brain course. It's another pass to give away. It's access to the recordings. And I want to dig into that a little bit because I think there's so much that entrepreneurs can take away from what you've been doing in terms of the pivots that you've been making. So could you share a little bit? Lifting the veil. Sorry, my yeah. phone is something and I can't turn it off. And I don't know. I have everything on do not disturb. So I have no idea what happened. Like where did that come from? It was a meditation, which was really interesting. <laughs> Sorry about that, y'all. Uh, anyway, weird. Well, that's a good reminder. <laughs> my phone was telling me, you need to meditate right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry we could about all that. use a little bit of that. So tell, tell us, a, let's, let's lift the, the veil a little bit and tell us a little bit about some of the pivots that you're making that can really be useful to someone listening in terms of sparking ideas on what they can do. Because what I'm seeing is that, you know, we can either be the victims of our circumstance, right? Or we can be the creators of our reality. And when we accept what is happening to us as, you know, unchangeable, and our businesses as unchangeable, then we die. You know, yeah. there's no, um, there's no, you know, unlimited supply of, you know, space and money and goodwill to keep our businesses alive. I mean, no one owes it to us. It, this is a pure meritocracy. And if we can adapt, because Darwin, you know, is often misquoted. Mm-hmm. They say it's a survival of the fittest. But what he actually said was it's not, you know, the smartest or the most uh, strong of um, of a species that survive, but it's the ones that are the most adaptable. Yeah. And this is going to be one of those transition points in business where the people, the entrepreneurs who are adaptable are going to find a way to survive. Yeah. And survival may mean accepting the demise of your existing business. In fact, that's something a lot of people, and I definitely want to dive into those spiritual aspects of, you know, business birth and business death, because this is a life cycle of its own. And there is a grieving process and there is mourning and there is a funeral. But in that space, there is also the gift of being able to birth something new. So, but first let's talk about the pivots that you've made. Yeah. Um, I couldn't agree with you more. I think this is the thing is that there we can all look at this like this is happening to us or we can look at it as it's happening for us. I personally believe this is happening for us. It's not exactly what any of us would have ever chosen ever in a million years, but it is what's happening and it is what it is. And so taking the stance that, okay, somewhere in there, and this is, this is something that, you know, I've, I've had the belief of, since before Brittany passed away. Brittany and I talked about this all the time, that we needed to find beauty in the ashes, that that's where, that's where the juice is, that's where life really is, is in figuring out what it is that's good in a bad situation. And so um, obviously I would have never in a million years chosen for Brittany to die, never. But I, I cannot deny the incredible impact and beauty that has come from her ashes. There's no way to deny it. 
So for me, um, it's going back into that same process. Okay, where's the lesson? What is it that I'm supposed to get from this? And this is really tapping into what I know in my body and my mind and my soul and my spirit to be true, is really taking that time to meditate and feel into what are the things that I'm feeling and what are the messages that are there and what is it that I'm supposed to be learning and what is it that I'm supposed to disseminate and proliferate. And so for me, it's like, okay, these are, I can't control what's happening. I can't control that my, my event can't happen in a month from now. Um, It would be going on right now um, in one month. And so I can't control that. So the thing every single day, the first thing is, is I need to control what I can control. And the only thing I can do is control what's happening here. That's it. Everything else is completely out of my control. I can't control how you feel. I can't control how any of my attendees feel, my exhibitors, my sponsors. I can't control how my speakers feel. I can't control. I can't control how Keith feels. Um, I, who is my best friend, my partner, my, you know, the love of my life, my soulmate, I can't control how he feels. And so what I can control is how I'm feeling, what I'm thinking, what I am um, allowing in me to come out. So I, that's the probably been the most important thing for me every day is to do that and just really focus on those things. So, um, and the question that I keep asking myself is what more can I do? What more can I give? What more can I help people with? What can I, more can I, you know, cause at my thought process right now is there's going to be a, an abundance of opportunity, but the last thing it needs to do is be opportunistic see the opportunity, seize the opportunity, but being opportunistic is absolutely the worst play ever. And what I mean by that is, okay, we have a, we had a huge toilet paper shortage, which we didn't, which was all made up and bullshit in our heads, right? There's no real toilet paper shortage. It was just a bunch of people went to the, to, to the stores at the same time, ordered, got, you know, took as much toilet paper as they could. And it created this weird shortage, but Toilet paper's back in supply. There's no shortage. Nobody, there was no, that they had to stop making toilet paper. (laughs) That didn't happen. So it was this perceived shortage. Um, So people started charging $50 a roll for toilet paper. That's being opportunistic. That is taking advantage of a situation that isn't, that is actually not technically real, but it's also taking advantage of um, a heightened time where, People are scared and afraid and would pay 50 bucks for a roll of toilet paper. What I did, this is something that was really interesting to me. I have an entire group of women. I have several groups actually that I'm part of. We have private WhatsApp groups that we've been, you know, talking to each other, been support, helping each other saying, you know, what can I do to support you? All of us had a lot of live events happening all that all got canceled, all of that stuff. So we're helping each other shift and pivot and, and do all of this. And they all kept saying, we know that this is really a really rough time for you, Michelle. What can we do to support you? And I wrote them all, look, I didn't know the toilet paper thing was real. I had no idea because I don't, I don't pay attention to mainstream media. I said, so I didn't go shopping. 
So you can support me with toilet paper. (laughs) And they were all like cracking up. And then I had all these amazing ideas that they all came across was like, create a a makeshift bidet. Um, You can take old t-shirts, cut them into squares, leave a little basket, wash them, do all of that. You're going to be fine. And I was like, oh shit, I don't even need toilet paper. I'm all right. Okay. And that's the whole thing is, you know, necessity is the mother of invention, right? So we come up with these really great ideas when it's necessary. So this is no different. We're coming up with new and creative ideas to do things differently because the things that we, the way we knew it is not possible right now. So there was that. And then, um, so I was really, really appreciative of the fact that they all were like, oh yeah, you've got you. And then of course, a bunch of them were like, oh, I've got extra rolls. I'll bring them to you, whatever. I didn't need any of them to do any of that. So that all worked out. And then of course, you know, toilet paper went back into the grocery store and we're fine. So, um, but then the other thing is the N95 masks. People started hoarding those and started selling them for $280 a piece. These are masks that on a normal day are about three or four bucks. That is opportunistic. That is, and I honestly believe there's some karma going to come back for people like that. Yeah. Right now. This is like, yeah, this is almost the difference between exploitation and value creation. Right. Exactly. And so that's those masks. If I had any N95 masks or any N100 masks right now, I would be turning them over immediately to the medical to, to medical people that are on the front lines who absolutely need them so that they can keep working and that they are protected from all the people that are coming in over. I mean, they're overwhelming our, our, um, you know, medical system. Then of course, you know, the, um, I have to say, and I'm really impressed. We've had, of course, there was the supplies of, um, hand sanitizer that went all, you know, there was, there was a shortage of that. All of these really great companies like Tito's Vodka here in Austin. And I know there's another one and I hate that I can't think of the name of it right now. So I really apologize. But um, some of these distilleries, they they were like, we'll halt production of the alcohol and we'll start making hand sanitizer. And they're giving it away. They aren't even charging for it. And they're still that they still have costs associated with that they still have staff they still have overhead they still have all of that and that right there i will tell you what um tito's will be forever be i will be that i will have brand loyalty there because that is them really serving other people and i just appreciate stuff like that then like everly well um right and um, people don't forget that consumers yeah. will never forget right what companies do when there's an opportunity to step up, right? And what a different way to think. Yeah, oh, and Everlywell, that's another company that's here in Austin that they have the COVID-19 testing and they are not charging for it. They are giving it away for, for, they're creating it and giving it away. And that's another thing. So that's an Everlywell, for any of you that don't know what it is, Everlywell is a diagnostic and testing company. They do all types of blood tests and all types of um, diagnostic test testing, IgG, IgA, you, you name it. They do all of that stuff. Um, um, nutritional testing, you name it. They do all of that. And for them to, again, they have costs associated with this. This isn't free for them to do. 
um, they are actually um, doing that for the good of the country and for the good of people. And so those are the things that I think we, when we see stuff like that, that's the best in humanity. And this is the time to do everything that you can to serve. And so I know yesterday um, I've been in a really positive space through all of this and kept thinking, oh, you know, we, I, I just, I'm looking forward to the opportunities that are going to come for this, for us to be able to serve people, for us to be able to do bigger, greater, grander things, because I know that that's coming. And yesterday was a really hard day for me. It was, it hit really hard. Um, I did a Facebook live with Lee, Ani's partner, and we started talking about a lot of things. And what was interesting is about 45 minutes after we finished that live, I had this overwhelming heaviness that came to me. And um, one of the things that I was I did yesterday, um, a friend of ours, Ron Lynch, created um, a group called IntelliHelp. And that's so all of these people are on there and they're they are doing asks and gives like people that are, you know, they're immunosuppressed and they're stuck and they don't have, you know, the ability to go to the store. They can't, you know, all of these things. It was I got on that thing and I literally cried. I was crying just looking at the people that were asking for help and the people that were offering things. There were people on there that didn't have jobs. They had lost their jobs that were giving like their lap, like they had a full tank of gas and they're like, you know, I don't know how long it'll last, but I'm willing to go run, do errands for anybody that needs it because I do have a full tank of gas, but I, you know, I don't have a job. I do have food. I'm okay. And everybody like that, that is taking stock of what they have and going, okay, right now at this moment, I have everything that I need. Now, what can I do to serve somebody else that doesn't? And I, it was just overwhelming. And I just like cried when I was reading them. And I'm sorry, it's starting to make me emotional now. Just thinking about the fact that people are doing that. And that's, that's where it's like, when you think about it, the worst thing that's happened to the United States, this is the worst thing that's happened in the United States since 9-11. And if you look back to 9-11, and what this country was able to do together after 9-11, how everybody came together. Nobody cared about race. Nobody cared about gender or gender bias or gender, um, you know, um, identification or any of that stuff. And nobody cared about whether or not you were gay and who you loved. Nobody cared about any of that stuff at 9-11. At and it's like, why don't we hold on to that? Why don't we understand that? Our differences don't mean anything when it comes to stuff like this. At this time, at this moment, right now, the only thing we need to look at is our commonality. And our commonality is we're human. We are human. And that's all that matters. And I mean, I this is when I just like shake my head and go, why, why do we go back to that? This is when everybody ends up feeling actually right now we're physically distanced at 9-11. We didn't have to do that. We got to come together. We were actually physically close. People were actually physically close. But we were talking about this the other day on one of the lives that we did is not calling this social distancing, but calling it physical distancing. Because socially, we're coming up with all kinds of ways to be able to socialize and to actually be together during this time. Because 
isolation, we all know that isolation is probably the death of all of us. Yeah. And so isolating physically, but not simply. Um, and I, we need to remember that when this is all over and we get to finally come back together, we need to remember all of that. And I, God, I hope we do because I think that's what this whole wake up call is for. Yeah. It's for us to figure that out and go, at the end of the day, all of our commonality is we're human and we need each other and we need tribe and we have basic necessities that need to be met, which is food, shelter, tribe, like, you know, and, and right now I don't, I think everybody's at this point where they're just like, okay, do I have everything I need at this moment? Okay. I do. Okay. I'm going to make it, you know? And then I'm, and I feel so horrendously bad for the people that are in an emotional state that is so charged and so fearful that they can't see past all of that. Yeah. And let's hold the space for those emotions as well, you know, in this conversation, because the people listening are probably carrying the weight of the world, their employees, their communities on their backs, on their shoulders. And let this be, a reminder that it's okay to put that down for a second and really feel what's present to really acknowledge the emotions because it's a lot, mm -hmm. it's a lot of emotions. And yes, we have to be strong, but part of our strength also comes from our ability to feel. Mm -hmm. And, you know, going back to something we were talking about a few minutes ago, this is a collective mourning. It's a mourning for, you know, the businesses we had, the lives we had, the society we had. Mm -hmm. And we are in a moment of transition where something is dying. And, you know, we have the same thing with death. We fear death. We resist death. We avoid death. We make it bad because we put all our projections, all our labels, all our interpretation, our egoic, requirements on death and you know sometimes we have the same relationship with birth and this is a moment when we are collectively dying in a little in a in a, in a way some people are literally dying and other people are dying in in different ways mm -hmm. but we're also collectively being reborn our businesses are being reborn our relationships are being reborn our lives are being reborn and that is the cycle. That is the cycle that none of us are immune to. <laughs> and that's something that we can either death grip and resist, or it's something that we can allow and surrender to and see the gifts and see the opportunities and see the, the wisdom and see the joy and take, you know, find something to be grateful about even if it's just seeing a blue sky, mm -hmm. even if it's just appreciating that we have a few more minutes with our partners at home, even if it's seeing Ron Lynch's group that grew from, I think, zero to 5,000 members in three days, and now it's international with like potentially hundreds of thousands of people, and that's over the internet among strangers who have never met each other, and this is a global outpouring of support 
that we've never seen. It's completely unprecedented. And as you said, COVID doesn't know race. It doesn't know gender. It doesn't know age. Maybe it knows age a little bit. But, you know, this is something that affects all of us. There's nothing ever before that's affected the entire world in this way, not even the world wars. And this is a time where I think my biggest reflection from everything you said in terms of how to pivot is to pivot from being self-absorbed, is to pivot from being, you know, focused on oneself and one's needs and one's, you know, our resources and our money and our business and our identity and all this stuff to really reorienting towards others, the collective, serving. How can we help? What can we give? The best way to forget your problems is to help somebody with theirs. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And then appreciate the fact that you've got the problems you've got. Not like, you know, I, I did, I was just sitting there thinking to myself, you know, like, I, um, my kids are grown. Um, I don't, uh, you know, they're all healthy. Um, but I can't imagine what that, what it's like currently. There was a mother on there who was a single parent who had her, you know, little kids all under the age of four and three of them and is lost her job. And I mean, like, I don't even comprehend what that's like right now to be in this space in this time right now with three little kids and not know how you're going to take care of them and not have, not have a job, not have, I mean like that, I mean, she lost her job like two, two, two weeks ago or something like that. And that is just right now that that's who we need to like, that's who we need to rally around. That's who you go. Oh, she, this is my thought process around this. My problems, I could lose pillow effects tomorrow and that's fine. I don't have that. I don't have to worry that I can't feed my kids. I, I mean, I just can't even imagine what that's like right now. And the thing is, is that she's fortunately in a group where everybody's like, yeah, let me get you this. Let me take care of that, whatever. And she, we're coming together in ways that we've never come to. Like, it's sad to me in a way that, this is what it took for us to create a group like that. And I absolutely adore Ron. And I just, I'm so thankful for him for coming up with this idea. And the thing is, is that, but didn't it sad that it took us to this for us to actually reach out because it's not like that probably didn't already exist in a lot of people that they lost their job. They've got kids, they need to pay their bills. They don't have money. And I'm like, man, you know, I just keep thinking, thank God I'm sitting here worried about the possibility of, shutting down my business and having my, my family of choices, my team and worrying about taking care of my family of choice and everything. I know that all of these people, they're super talented, that they will all be okay. But at the end of the day, I'm so thankful that I have this problem and not that because I can't imagine sitting in that thought process of, I don't know how I'm going to pay my rent. I don't know how I'm going to take care of my kids. I don't know how I'm going to feed them. I don't know how I'm going to put diapers on them. I I just, that's, that is a way bigger problem than whether or not pillow effects will exist in a, in a couple of months. And And that's perspective. And I just want to reflect back, you know, paleo effects was born of loss. You started this company because you lost your daughter. I started, you know, the work that I do because I lost my dad. Yeah. 
and we both found something to be grateful about. We found a gift mm -hmm. in the passing of people close to us. And that was an inspiration to do the work we do right now. And every death brings with it gifts. Mm -hmm. Every demise brings opportunity. Mm -hmm. And it's our ability to be open to those things. It's our ability to refocus and think bigger than just ourselves. It's our ability to find gratitude when you know, we want to complain. It's our ability to want to rise and step up and be leaders and serve rather than hide and feel like victims. That really makes the difference. That's the real pivot. Mm -hmm. right? The real pivot is inside our heads. It's inside our hearts. And what happens in our business is just the effect of that deeper cause. So thank you for being so raw, being so vulnerable, being so open and honest as you always are, as you always show up. And for letting us into your world and into your mind and into your heart. This has been a really incredible conversation. And I can't wait to have you back and continue this. Yeah, after COVID-19 is over. <laughs> Good Lord. Uh, I just like keep thinking, wow, our entire world is going to look completely different than it did three weeks ago. Like I just, I, I the idea of it is a, a little bit unfathomable. <laughs> and it's like, what is it going to look like in about three weeks? And my, my hope and my prayer is that people don't live in fear, that they actually live um you know, this is this is something I've I, I, don't, I don't I haven't talked about this a lot, but I plan on talking about it in the future, particularly um, once I'm able to actually write my book about. Me. Talked she died. In fact, three weeks before she um, came home from South Africa, um, she and I had a Skype conversation. I actually have the entire. Um, I have the entire um, transcript, all of the transcripts. I, ha I have all of my transcripts of every conversation I had with her over Skype while she was over in South Africa. And we had this, this one conversation and it was on March 24th of 2009. And she told me that she was going to die before she was 24. And she told me that she was, and I, she had talked about this many times. This wasn't the first time she had said it. And my whole thing was, no, you're not. You just don't have your purpose. Because I had the same feeling too when I was her age. I thought that I thought that I was going to die. I just really had this in, in just connection with God, where I was being told that you're going to pass before you turn, you know, uh, twenty. No, I thought I was going to die before I was twenty-two, and um, and I was just really sure about it. And um, and I kept telling her, no. You just don't have your purpose because then I actually ended up getting pregnant with Brittany and having Brittany. Um, so, and then once I was pregnant with Brittany, I had my purpose. So then that went away and I didn't have those feelings that I was going to die anymore. And so I kept telling her, no, you know, whatever. So she said, no, let's listen, mom. I'm super clear on this. I know that this is my purpose and I'm, I'm okay. And she was like, I want, I need you to be okay. And she told me in the conversation, I'm changing my passwords on all of my social media and my accounts because all of her friends had her password. 
apparently. I don't know. I something they did in college. I had no clue why. But anyway, so she said, nobody has my password but you. You're the only person that I trust to do the right thing. I'm so thankful she did that because it really did turn into a nightmare with some of her friends after she passed. Um, and so I um, I remember having those the, that conversation with her and her saying all of this and thinking to myself, um, when she passed, that this was this was part of her purpose and this was part of what she was put here for was that her work was done and that literally I almost feel like her work her her real work happened right after she died because there was just this crazy thing that all these people came together and so my hope is that people recognize that you know the just the love and the connection and everything that we all have through social stuff like we're doing on, on Zooms and on calls and on FaceTime and on Skype and whatever we're doing to tap that connection, that none of us live in fear that after we this is over, that we can all come together and have true connection, that we can touch each other and not be afraid, to not live in fear around having close proximity to another human being because we're fearful that we're going to get something that's going to kill us. We can't live like that. That is not what our organisms are made for. Our organisms are made for connection, for touch, for all of that. And so right now, when we are physically distancing, we need to maintain social connection um, because our organisms desire it, need it, require it, thrive on it. And my hope is that we will all come together and that the fear of all of this will go away. Um, because that, that's the one thing that worries me about this is that that little thing being there. What, what needs to happen is that we all need to come together to be the best, most vitally healthy organisms that we possibly can. We need to build each other's immunity. And immunity comes, too, from connection. Um, and so... My hope is that after all of this is over with, we all come together to support each other, to find our best, highest, most healthy immune strength that we possibly can so that there is not disconnection when this is over with, that people don't live in fear of having close proximity to another human. Um, because ultimately that would be the demise of all of us. Well said. Michelle, thank you again for being here. Feel free to share where people can find you and follow your work. Um, they can find me on uh, at Dana Michelle Norris on Facebook. And for some reason, Twitter doesn't allow me to have my whole name. So it's D Michelle Norris over there. And then paleofx.com, um, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter on all of those, you can follow those there. And um, anyway, and just, you know, anyone, please reach out to me. If you, if you need somebody to listen or to hear you or to understand what you're going through, I am, I'm here. And I, I want to be there for people that just need somebody to listen and hear how they're feeling. And, um, and the thing is, is that how you're feeling is fine. There's nothing wrong with it. There, there's no, no judgment. 
through nothing because, you know, our emotions are real and, you know, it's our perception and our perspective that we get to, we can change and we can control. And, and that's the stuff that I can, I know I'm really good at helping with that. Aho. And we're all in this together. Yes, we are. Michelle, thank you so much for everything you do, everything you stand for. And can't wait to have you back. Thank you. I appreciate it. It was a pleasure. And if you enjoyed this conversation, please share this with someone you care about. Please leave some comments, leave a review, rate the show and share it out. Because now more than ever, we need to mobilize support. We need to send this message out that we're all in this together. Thank you so much. And I'll see you soon. Thank you for listening to this episode. If you found value, please consider leaving a five-star review to allow the show to reach more people or share this episode via your social media channels. If you're an entrepreneur and want support in exponentially scaling your business, email me at ani at animanian.com.